All right, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Squid Talk podcast. Huge guest today, Grant Mitt, CEO of Mitt Group, um, big entrepreneur. I also feel like he was probably the first entrepreneur in the social media space, at least the first young one, yeah. um, kind of documenting your journey, giving life tips, success success tips. But you also take a, a different approach and you kind of, not just like money secrets, but people secrets. That's one thing I've noticed, at least when I first started watching your stuff, it was a yeah. lot of like, how to get people to respect you, right? How to um, have more impact with what you say. So I think that's all very, very important. Um, not just in getting people to like you, but right. business. Um, but one of the first things I wanted to get into was you're 28 years old, right? Yep. So you have this big successful business, um, been on social media for a while now. Mm-hmm. What made you hit that record button? Be- and then and then we'll go into exactly like what kind of impact that's had on your personal career and your yeah. business career. So first thing is I felt like I had pretty good business insight, but the one thing that was important to me is like, you're not going to take advice from someone, even if the advice is good, unless you know, it's credible, you know, that they've done something. And so the first thing for me is like, I need to go out and do something that's credible. And so I, I built it was in the first year of me building Mick Group and we're having success. And that was in 2020, right? When so it was eight years ago. No, no, no. And 2020. Oh, so, shit. No, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. So three years ago. Three years ago. God, yeah, yeah. It was like forever. And it, it does feel like that with COVID. So it was like during COVID, right? And start the company and we start taking off and we're being super successful. And that was in the time when TikTok first came out and you had Addison Ray and all these people dancing and everything. And I kept seeing... Gary V talking about TikTok is the next thing. TikTok, TikTok is the next thing. Like that's going to be huge. And everyone was kind of joking around and making fun of people who were on it. And it was kind of like this running joke. And I remember vividly being embarrassed that I made a Twitter back when Twitter first came out. They're like, why do you have a Twitter? Right. Hmm. And everything was a joke or was embarrassing when it's first starting. So I was like, this has to be big. So I'm not going to dance in front of a video like, like them. That's not my style. But I was like, what if there was somebody on there that just talked about business clips like or t- topics like psychology or money or finance or crypto or whatever the case may be? Like, would there be an audience for it? Would people like that information? And would they even like me? And I'm sure you've seen this with social media is you just never know how people are going to react to you. Yeah. And you got to try it. You got to try it. And, and what's interesting too is you could have an audience that loves you and you make a new video and there's one word that's said 20 seconds in that triggers all these crazy comments and they misinterpret the entire video just because of one thing. So I was like, you know what? Like, and I had a Tesla at the time and every time I'd charge it, I'm like, I'm just going to do a quick like 30 second thing. I didn't know how to edit. Um, I still don't edit any of my clips. I have a team for it. So I was like, screw it. Like if I say something perfect for 30 seconds, I'm just going to upload it and let's just see what happens. And about 10th or 12th video, I was going to dinner with some friends and I looked right when I was paying the tab, my phone was going crazy and it had like 300,000 views. I was like, whoa. So you kind of saw that success or at least you got like that little bit of reward right at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, just instant oh, reward. Cool. But it was it, the thing was is I wasn't trying to become this famous person. I wasn't trying to like sell some course or do something online like nothing. I was just like people keep telling me they're like, "Man, you should like do something blah blah blah." Or, I was like, "Okay." So I I just made some TikTok videos and I kind of ran with it and that first year I got up to like 20, 30,000 and it was that pretty much the a full year after I had it, I remember I was about to go 
on vacation. I was taking my family on, on a trip somewhere and I was at this hotel, yeah. I was in Houston and I was about to run a meeting. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make a quick TikTok video. And I was doing them three, four times a week. And I made one video and that one video went to like 1.4 million. It took my TikTok to a hundred thousand. A business From 20 to a hundred thousand or yeah. 30 to a hundred thousand. Yes. And pretty wow. much like two, three days. And a business insider, um, editor reached out, emailed me, wanted to do a, um, a piece or whatever on me. I jumped on the call. They loved it. They're like, this is great, but you have to send us every bit of your financials to prove this. And I said, okay. So I sent them all of my finance. I had to prove personal financials or company financials. Both. Oh, like wow. everything. I had to prove that I was actually broke in the years I said I was broke. Yeah. So I sent it with like $12 in my bank account and like yeah. whatever it was. And then what it was now, my investment and everything. Cause it's, if it was not right. Oh, it makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of fraudsters out there. I like how you touched on the no course thing. Cause I feel like almost majority of, uh, uh, TikTok entrepreneurs are selling you a course. Yeah, it, I'm not even against courses. Yeah. I, I think if someone knows something and they're fantastic at it, like investing in your knowledge is important, but if that's the only thing that made you successful, it's probably not admirable. Sure, 100%. You got to have success first. Though. I like how you were, you had that mindset of, I'm not just going to bullshit if I have nothing to offer. Yeah. I kind of started on the opposite end of the spectrum. I was like, yeah. well, I, I think and I hope I'm going to be successful. I have a good feeling about it. I'm confident, but I'm nobody yet. So I was like, let me document my journey, you know? But that's a cool way to do it because yeah. you weren't trying to be something you're not. You're like, hey guys, like I'm on this journey to start this e-commerce business. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I never claimed to be Mark Cuban. I, but yeah, some people get really mad. I'm curious, like, did you experience any sort of criticism both in the comments and in your personal life? I Like people in my comments not anymore, really, but people used to be like, who the fuck is this guy? Right. And I kind of like how you said, when you start something, it always happens. Everything is cringy when you start. Everything is right. embarrassing when you start. Yeah. Like, it, you, you could be Kobe Bryant going from being one of the greatest basketball players of all time to going into film. Right. And people will tell you you're an idiot, right? Just like they did. And then right. he was, you know, killer at that too. So I'm curious, did, did any of your friends or family members like, you know, disapprove? Yeah. So I had a couple people early on that were, so it was more so right before I started. So I remember a couple months before I was debating on making a YouTube and making a TikTok and everything. And I remember a posting on my story, should I make business content? And I had kind of forgotten that nobody had known all this business stuff I'd done. Like they didn't know I started a company. They didn't know I'd been doing sales and leadership and managing. Like friends back home? Yeah. Like they knew the close yeah. ones did. But the people that went to high school with me, they knew I had a business sense, but they didn't know this because I wasn't telling the world. So I'd post like, hey, should I make this stuff? And I had a lot of people voting no. And they're like, no, why would you do that? Like, what have you done? That's crazy. And I didn't take it personal, but I was like, how would they know? Yeah. And so I just trusted my gut and started making it. And the one thing I noticed is I got a lot more support from people that I grew up with and that I knew and that had already previously followed me on Instagram because I don't think, I, I think with anything with social media, you know, you're always going to get haters, but I was just being authentic and I wasn't trying to get something out of it. Like I was giving just, Hey, this is how it worked for me. This is this blah, 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 take it or leave it. And I think they, they could maybe feel that. And they're like, Oh, you know what? I actually like this. This is pretty good. Um, when you go super viral, what happens is the video reaches people that typically wouldn't watch what maybe you and I make content wise. So you get a person that doesn't have an ounce of business mindset. There's not that many out there. 
Right. Like young guys that are into that shit. Right. So I totally get what you mean. So when it goes to a wide audience of a million people in a viral video, you're going to get 20, 30% that has never seen any videos like this. And they're just going to have a random comment and they don't have any context. So you yeah. can't take it personal. 100%. You, yeah. I, I love that you said that. I think, I personally think that getting shit on in this journey, whenever you go on social media or start a business or want to become a professional athlete, I think it's good. I think it's yeah. necessary. Yeah. It's almost like a like a wall. And if you're not willing to at least try and climb it, mm -hmm. then you don't deserve to see the other side, in right. my opinion, you know? And if, it's, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And, it, and, and in a weird way, it's, it's your art. Your art is supposed to be interpreted and it helps you learn how humans perceive things. And what I've learned from making so much content and what I've learned from mastering sales and teaching sales and scaling a business is how consumers, how people of all different age groups, backgrounds, religions, everything, perceive you and perceive a person and what triggers their brain. And I learned how simple people are is people are moved by very simplistic things. So for example, my best or your best piece of content that is so niche and detailed that if you're in your specific business could change that person's life, many times won't do that well. But something that anybody can interpret, even though you're like, let's say someone hasn't touched e-commerce or business and they just care about whatever. Girls. Cool. They only care about girls and you're posting about business. If you talk about maybe a transaction or a sale and how you convince this and you kind of give an example of your pitch of how you did it, he may not know how to do all that, but he can judge how you did it mm -hmm. or what he think would happen or when he tried that, how you interpret it. So the key that I learned is the audience has to be able to have an opinion about it. And that's why the best speakers, the best politicians, the best business leaders, and the best form of genius is able to take extremely complex ideas and make them so simple that anyone, including someone that's not in the industry, can interpret it and have an opinion over it. Sure. That's and right. so you learn it. One, it keeps you accountable. And, and people check you and say these crazy things. But you go, why do they say that? Mm -hmm. Did I present it the wrong way? Could I have said it better? Is this just kind of part of the process and this person wasn't going to understand anything in the first place? So it's just don't take it personal and take it as real live feedback and you'll start cultivating that audience and teaching them who you are so they you can earn that respect like you're saying. Yeah, dude, that's a, that's a great point. I think, um, I think, yeah, you need to break it down into a way where everyone can understand it if you want to have the same sort of effect and the biggest reach possible. Like I... I made a video, I think it was last night, yeah. about cutting people out of your life. Mm -hmm. And I said, you throw out the moldy fruit, right? Like you open up your blueberries or your raspberries. And if yeah. you see a couple pieces that are molding, like you don't eat those, right? You throw them away. Right. And you have to do that with people in your life. Exactly. Did you feel like you had to cut anyone out or were you pretty like blessed to the point where you, no one really got to that point where you had to? Oh yeah. I have the gift of goodbye. Like, yeah. um, and, and even a business, right. Um, we, you know, unfortunately have to fire people, mm -hmm. but it's true. The I one, haven't had to deal with that yet. Really? Honestly, you will eventually, sure. um, it's one of the most important things for the company, for you as a leader. And most importantly, oddly them, if they're not in the right position, but the thing that you'll, you, you realize and to go off what you're saying is that you don't, if you have the wrong people in your life and you allow them, 
they will self-sabotage everything in their life. They will mess up the team. They'll mess up your company. They'll mess up everything. And one thing I've noticed is like, as you elevate and go to these next levels, you scale your company, it's going to take a new set of individuals or those current people are going to have to level up. And they oftentimes don't. And they're not, they're not designed to. People are typically who they are. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's great. Lead into the next question, which is how many, how many employees do you currently have right now? So total in the organization is around 40 to 45. Um, You know, one thing we've been kind of shifting towards is it sounds cool to have a really massive team if they're producing at scale. Mm -hmm. It's much better to have less people who are more talented with more output which helps the the total organization be more efficient. So what we've kind of done over the last six months is realize it's like, okay, who is the highest producers? How do we allocate more resources towards them? And how do we find more and more people like them? And this includes finding top talent and then most importantly, retaining that talent, cultivating it and help them move up and develop and grow in their career. Because if they don't have something to grow into, they'll grow out of your company. Yeah, 100%. Do you feel like, that it's a two-part question. Do you feel like you've always had that entrepreneurial drive and on top of that, that ability to be a leader or did that kind of come later in life? I know you said you played sports for a while. Yeah. Right? That, that's a big proponent, I'm assuming. Yeah, so I always felt like I was a natural entrepreneur mm-hmm. and I always, I think, was a natural leader, but just being a good leader, leader does not make you a great business operator or CEO. Yeah. And what I learned, especially early on in managing, was I was a fantastic leader. People liked working with me. They respected me, but I was a horrible manager. And learning how to, one, operate a business, much less manage people and be an actual manager is a completely different beast that takes a lot of time and energy to to be able to maintain. So, for example, let's say that you love, let's say like I work for you. And you're my manager, and I think you're awesome. You're a great guy. You're, you have amazing vision. You're cool. I love hanging out with you. I love working for you. I think you're great. But let's say that we have a training once a day. And at 9 a.m., we're going to do it. You're like, hey, tomorrow we're going to do it at 9 a.m. I show up, p- perfect. Then let's say at 8.55, you're like, hey, Grant, some came up. Let's go ahead and do 11. So we're like, okay, we'll do 11. And then the next day it's 12. And the next day it's 8. And the next day it's 7. Now what happens is you're still a great leader. I still like you the same amount, but we have no system and operation. And because it's all over the place, because your schedule isn't consistent, the company's schedule is not consistent, we don't have a continuous flow in the operation, meaning I'm missing out times that I could be in appointments, selling, talking to consumers, talking to whatever, working on whatever job I specifically have. But now I'm missing hour gaps and delaying my schedule and you as well, not because you're a bad leader, but because you're a bad manager. Yeah. So a great manager goes, hey, every day at this time, we're going to meet for 30 minutes from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. every single day, no matter what. You're going to build your schedule around it. I'm going to build my schedule around it. What I want you to do is to come prepared with all the necessary questions that you have so we can go through it during that time, set the agenda for the day, and let you work. Interesting. Do you, do you feel like I think that's a great point. And to be honest, I've never really thought about that. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right. And I I guess I even probably struggle with that myself as a leader in my business. I'm the type of guy that's like, I just want to find the best talent, right? Like find studs, not just for whatever they're working on in the business, but also in real life, like our 
creative director, started as, I could tell from day one, this guy was a fucking hoss, right? Started as the photo shoot guy, did some cool pictures for us, became the creative director. Now he's our executive creative director. He's 22, black belt in jujitsu, owns his own jujitsu training academy, like over in Tampa. Nice. Stud, right? Yeah. But I operate on the mindset of like, okay, I hired you for a reason. You know what you're doing. I don't want to tell you what to do. I don't want to micromanage you whatsoever. If anything, like I want you to let me know what you need from me. Say, hey, Lucas, I need you to um, allocate this many resources for me. Or, or can you can you look for some models or can you get one of the other guys in the business to set this up so I can do my job best? And so I think I need to work on my managing ability a little bit. Do you, do you think a do you think the CEO or the main guy needs to do managing as well, or it's probably best to separate those two? Well, it depends because, for example, so CEO would typically manage the head of operations, head of finance, head of sales. Mm -hmm. So he's managing those three people. Then those people are going down to the lower level leaders and you know the employees, whether it's yeah. the sales reps, project coordinators, basic accountants, whatever the case may be. So the CEO's job is to basically build the machine. And the better I get, the more less involved I am into the day-to-day -day operation. The busier I am, that's typically when we're scaling, we're growing what I'm needed. When that engine is built, I can pull away and my phone doesn't go off. That's when I know I'm doing the right stuff. If, if my phone's not getting blown up and I'm, I'm not getting questions and this and that and this fire and that fire and deals are rolling in, that means I've done my job as a CEO. So there's nothing better than hiring smart people and getting out of their way. Um, and some people are managed like that. You're going to hire certain studs where you just got to provide resources for them, be them for them. As long as there's mutual expectations with everything, then you're fine, yeah. right? It just depends because each person's going to need something different. Mm -hmm. And how much of an impact do you think your personal social skills have played as your ability to be a good leader in success in sales? Cause I'm, I'm sure like when you started, you were not only the guy doing the finances and um, creating the schedules and everything, but also going out and doing sales yourself, right? Doing everything. Like when I started my business, I was packing orders every day and convincing people to buy it, right? Yeah. So how, how much of an impact do you think like for, I guess, first question, have you always been a very social guy? Have you always been um, someone good and um, good at talking to people? And how has that played a role with your success? So, I've, yeah, I've always been a people person. I thought I was an extrovert. I realize I'm an introvert that can be extroverted. Really? Interesting. Meaning that, like, if I go to a party event, I have my, my battery and it slowly drains. And then when I'm done... I'm done. Yeah. And and then I recharge alone or with, you know, like a few group of people or something small. Um, but I always felt very comfortable talking. I was the guy that you find out you have a presentation five minutes from now, I get up and give some speech off the top of my head and nice. get an A. So That's I was great. that guy. Yeah. And I will say it's like being likable and being relatable and empathetic. And yeah, I, I think the biggest thing, one of my favorite sayings is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so if your people know, it's just, we go back to TikTok, right? I see people so much on social media and they're making these videos or they're posting stuff to be famous or to sell something or to get something. And when they're just fully authentically themselves, even if they're weird, even if they're unique, even if they're different, people just gravitate to it. And if you look, you mentioned like Alex Hermosi, he's super unique. 
He doesn't try to act like he's this super genius guy. He's dressed up like a lumberjack almost every day. He's got a big beard. He's got a plaid thing. He's got but I short... think that's part of his sales. I agree. I think he. I think in his situation, he's trying to sell to a specific group of people. Sure. And he's like, what are young guys like? They like the gym. They like money. So yeah. I'm going to look like this big jack guy with success. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm, I don't think he just wears the beater just because he likes wearing beaters. I yeah. do think there's a little bit of strategy involved in that. There has to be something. But yeah. it's just at the end of the day, like, it's just him. Like, he's having a conversation. He knows this stuff like the sky is blue. Yeah. And so you can just tell the difference. And I think when you're an authentic person, you truly care about the people that you're working with. You believe in something. Like, what you've done with your brand thus far is, like, you're. we were just talking about this. You're super authentic and unique with your names. They saw you building it from scratch, packaging it, figuring out, I don't know what the hell to do. I'm going to figure this out. And so people respected it for you because they're like, oh, this is how I would do it. This is how he's no better than me. Wait, now he's doing all this? That means I can do it. I like yeah. this guy's product. I think, and I learned this lesson a little later in life because I used to be a huge, not people person, people pleaser, right? And I kind of learned towards midway through college, the more I try and earn someone's approval, the less I'm going to get it. Yeah. And then at a certain point, like I was, I just started acting like, okay, it's my life. I don't give a fuck what the people in my fraternity think, right. what my friends think, what my parents think. And I just started doing whatever I wanted to do. I started saying whatever I wanted to say with absolutely zero regard for if people were going to like it or not. Yeah. And interestingly enough, like I just, I started getting a lot of friends and like a yeah. lot of respect for my friends. And then I was like fraternity president and like the business nice. and the social media. Things just like started to work out when I stopped trying at all to impress people. Love it. And so I think the more, I think it's like innately as humans, we can, yeah. we sense a little bit of fraud in your character when you try it. It's like someone's sucking up to you. Yeah. They might even have a lot to offer. Like you might bring me a great deal, but if you're sucking up to me, I just don't want to be around you. You're it, like, it what do you want? Yeah, exactly. It immediately makes you feel like um, there's something going on behind the scenes, right? Yeah. That's why they're acting like that. I love that. So, well, how big of an impact do you think actually posting has had on your current business? I know you you were saying it's, it was successful already, Yeah, but so, I'm sure it's helped, right? It's helped in the sense that it's helped us recruit really talented people. Because, you know, I'm just, I'm talking about business and sales and whatever the case may be. And we get 20, 30 emails, like long three, four, five paragraph emails a day. I'll work for free. We get, get a lot of those. those. I get a lot <laughs> get of those. Lot of um, that, but then also it's just like, hey, like I saw you have this company. I'm, I've been in sales. I'm really interested in working for you guys. And we'll interview and then they'll be, end up be becoming unbelievable sales reps. So it's helped us attract talent. Um, retain talent, motivate people to want to come work for the company and have a really good opportunity. So I think that's big. The one thing too with, with social media is that a lot of times you don't know what you're going to do with it. You don't know what business you're going to start, what opportunities are going to come. But if you cultivate and build an audience that respects you, likes you, that um, tells their friends about you, there's going to be a long-term return for 100%. everyone, everyone involved. Them, your, your content's gonna get better. You may end up starting a new company um, that blows up. I call it the Kardashian effect, right? Yeah. Kylie Jenner is not a better business, at least maybe she is now, but she was not a better CEO or entrepreneur 
than anybody running a $30 million business. Yet at 19, she had almost a billion dollar company. Yeah. Why is that? She had the attention and yes, she had a generation of work done by her mom, but it doesn't matter. She won. And so that teaches you about life is that the best businesses don't win. It's the businesses that people know. Yeah. I think that brings up a great point. And that's that. I don't know about you, but my parents growing up always said, be careful what you post. Right. Right. It was, if anything, it was like, stay away from social media. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Put yourself at risk, right? The, the more you tell the world about yourself, the more you make yourself a target. And I fully agree with that. But I also think in today's day and age, similarly to like, if you stand up on a chair in the middle of a big crowd, everyone will look at you. But the bad people will look at you and the good ones will too. 100%. And so you will have to deal with that criticism or hate or um, even people trying to pull you down, knock you off the chair, right? right. But you're also going to get a lot of other entrepreneurs and like-minded people and sure. ambitious guys that are like, wait, that's kind of cool. I want to go up there too. Yeah. And so I think it's worth it. I personally think, I'm curious your opinion on this. I think anyone in today's day and age, if they are an entrepreneur, um, or maybe not necessarily creating a business, but you're creative in some way. Maybe you're making music, you're a DJ, right. or um, you code for companies, you're, uh, you do photo shoots, anything that's creative and not sure. working for somebody else. I think you absolutely should start posting. Mm -hmm. And you don't need thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers. Like You can have a great impact off of having 500 cool people that really like that you. That love you. Right? Yeah. All, all you need is like one good connection to change your life, honestly. Just one. And so... I don't know. I think that's huge, but I'm curious, what kind of sacrifices did you have to make? Like being an entrepreneur from an early age, do you feel like you had to maybe hold off on some of the fun or did you have a good balance with all that? No, I mean, I pretty much, I mean, I pretty much closed myself off the world for two years. So I, I played junior college football mm -hmm. in Long Beach, California, Brooklyn, New York. Um, I got Division two offers after that, and I was kind of to the point where, you know, unless I'm going to be the next Drew Brees, like, there's no point. Like, quarterback? Yeah, I was quarterback. Nice, and, there you go. Sweet. And, uh, but I was like, man, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to do this. And I remember being in the most, one of the most uncomfortable periods of my life was when I was in New York. And, I mean, we were in, small in this podcast studio, basically. They had two bump beds right there, two bump beds right there, and another bed right here. So I had five teammates in, like, this small little environment. Yeah. And living on like probably a hundred bucks. I remember a couple of times um, I would jump the subway and I would, I'd look because there'd be undercover cops. And one time they caught me, but I talked my way out of it. They'll take you to jail because I didn't have enough money to get in the subway half the yeah. time. But anyways, I moved back to Houston and decided to transfer to U of H, but none of my credits were accepted. So on orientation, I'm coming into University of Houston as supposedly a senior, but they're telling me on day one that, hey, like nothing is accepted. You're now a freshman. So I'm like, this isn't good. I had a sales job lined up. I get a call the next day that that company is closing down their Houston branch because of Hurricane Harvey and it messed up all their operations and they're moving to Austin. I can't afford to move to Austin. Now, at the same time, I'm living, moved back in with my mom. My parents have been divorced at that time. So she didn't have an extra room. So I'm sleeping on her couch. So I'm 22 years old. I'm sleeping on my couch. I was supposed to be a senior in college at U of H. Now I'm a freshman and the sales job that I had fell through. So at that same time, I'm 22, that's pretty much the same time that everyone's graduating college. So as I'm going through this, and I had all the same goals and stuff I had now, 
I'm getting on Instagram, seeing every one of my friends post pictures of them with a graduation cap, that they just got this internship, that they just got this. I had a girlfriend at the time that was convinced I was going to do nothing in life. She was further along with me in college. She had an internship at this place in New York. So I'm hearing a, a, a mouthful about how I'm not going to be this and how I'm all talk and all these different things. So I'm at the lowest point of my life at this point. But what I did when I was in New York is I would sit in a Barnes and Noble, like, cause it was just my escape. I'd go sit there and I never liked reading it. I would just sit there and read for two, three hours. And after about a year of being there, by the time I moved back, even though all that stuff happened, I kind of just felt at peace one, because there was some crazy stuff in, in Brooklyn that, uh, that I experienced that I can't even say on a podcast. And so I was at my mom's house. Yeah, I was on her couch, but I didn't have to walk a half a mile carrying heavy clothes and go to the uh, to laundromat and do that and come back. I just had it right there. You know, my mom's house was peaceful. It was a blessing. And I could Uber all around town and get instant deposits and make money. And while I'm doing that, I'm just applying for sales jobs, applying for sales jobs. Because my plan was, I'm going to get a sales job. I'm going to find a way to make six figures. I'll figure out the college thing. I ended up dropping out. I'm going to save up all of my income because I'm staying on my mom's couch and I'm only paying for you know food and stuff like that in my car note. And I saved up all of it. And I was like, I'm going to get a nice apartment in downtown Houston. That was my main goal. And a year later, I did it. I lived downtown Houston, overlooking the Minute Maid Park. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I made 120 grand. Couldn't believe it. And then I ended up saving. There's an article on this that, remember the Business Insider, the thing I was telling you about that yeah. she saw me. And when they broke down all my finances, I had to prove all these things. Um, I broke down and had a system for saving up money, which ultimately helped me start Mint Group. And so doing that, I pulled away from everyone. I was just full focus seven days a week, nonstop to do this because I don't have family money. I didn't have any investors. I didn't have any mentors. I still wish I had this like incredible mentor. I would say I created my own through people online and the best entrepreneurs and their books and everything. And so I had to dig myself out out of that. And it was that experience that made me so damn tough and resilient because running a business, especially especially when you have employees and you deal with people betraying you, you deal with um, lawsuits, you deal with um, people that you get a fire, conflicts with people, issues with installers, with operations, you name it, it's going to happen. You have to be so mentally tough. You got to be like this, perfectly poised and calm because if you show an ounce of weakness, they're pouncing on you. Yeah, dude. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one of my questions too. Have you ever had to literally dig yourself out of a pit, right? And I like to I like to look at it kind of like in Batman, right? You know, when he's in that big uh, hole oh, yeah, yeah. rises and he has to climb out. Yep. When you're in that period of darkness, you really only have two options. Like it really can't get shittier. But if you can figure out a way to climb out, you're going to be stronger than ever. Another level. And I think this is like the biggest thing for our podcast. Like this, this podcast right here, why it's called Squid Talk is... It's so easy to look at anyone, whether they're a successful entrepreneur, an actor, an athlete, a musician, anyone who has crazy wild success and just automatically assume, oh, it's always been that way for them. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I would actually not only say most stories have some part like that, some pit, some period of darkness, but you respect those guys more. 
Yeah. Right. Like I was just, and you're like a good looking guy. You're doing well now. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are probably like, oh, this guy just always had it figured out. Right. Mm -hmm. But that makes you seem human and it, it shows your character like building through that. Right. You know, mm -hmm. trudging through those murky waters. And I made a video on this like two days ago. It's doing really well. It's at like 800, 900 K views right now. You know, Matt Reif. Mm -hmm. So Matt Reif is like, the dude's living right now. He's like the king, right? I personally don't think he's that funny, but the dude's like good looking guy, yeah. dating the hottest girls in the world. Um, every girl drools over him, making bread, um, famous, comedian. Like you look at that guy and you're like, this guy has it figured out. And then I just found out three days ago, four it's days ago, that he had been a like fucking D-list com comedian for 10 years. Everyone made fun of him. He was like this skinny dweeb. And it's so easy to look at a guy like that and be like, oh, he just, he has the sauce, right? In reality, he didn't. And, and he almost quit. Yeah. Did did you ever have a almost quitting moment where you're like, I'm going to figure this out and it's going to happen? So I think I felt feelings like that during playing college football in college and all that. That was, I think, the really hardest. Like I've faced a lot of obstacles in running a business, been through hell and back. But I I'm fully committed. Like, I'll, I'll bet the house. Yeah. I'll bet, like, literally. I, I would go move back in and sleep on someone's couch and in six months be a millionaire. Like, I am all in. I 100%. know. It. Um, I felt like that in college and in that moment, like, that I was explaining about where I, I'm out of U of H and I'm finding all these bad things happen. I'm sitting in my car like, what the hell do I do? Like, this is bad. You know, I'm 22 years old. I got to figure this out. I'm a grown-ass man now. Yeah. And um, I think that's the part where I was like, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. And I went full force. Same thing, starting the company, same thing, scaling. You know, each level that you scale, um, it comes with a new set of challenges and obstacles. And we've gone through three of them that could have took us out. And each time I delivered and it was just full focus. There was times when every week mattered, every day mattered, and you just figured it out. Well, yeah, I think I think a lot of people, they automatically assume that guys that have found success have the answer, whether it's Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos. They think, oh, they just know what to do in every situation. That's totally not the case. I think as it's like more money, more problems, the famous saying, right? As you become bigger, more successful, you have bigger problems. When you first start the business, it's how do I convince someone to buy this? That's your first problem. Or, or what do I what do I even sell, right? I guess the second problem would be what do I how do I convince someone to buy this? And then ten years later, the problem is okay, how do I launch this pump this company and make it public, right? You don't know the answer to those problems; they're all new. You've never been faced with something like that before. But what you do have is the confidence from all the experiences before that. So I, I'm sure like you're experiencing new challenges every day, every week, every month, every year yeah. that you're like, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I will find the answer. And you've mm -hmm. built that through, you've built that confidence through your experience, right? Right. So this is a question that I ask everyone. I started this three episodes ago. I ask every guest, what's one thing you hold to be true that everyone else would surely disagree with? Oh, that's a good question. So one thing that I hold to be true that yeah. everyone would disagree with. The first thing that comes to mind is when you're trying to solve a problem or you want to do something and you're trying to figure out how to do it, not for everyone, but for almost everyone in the world, the first instinct or thought that comes to your brain is almost always wrong. 
And the reason why it's almost always wrong is if that's the first answer that instantaneously, I mean, like, let's say we have a cash flow problem. How do we fix it? And you're like, well, what about this? Or AI is booming. What if we did this? If that first instinct is usually what everyone else would think. And everyone typically thinks one dimensionally. I, I like get onto my managers and leaders in the company about this so much. Where like, for example, I had a, a, an operations manager. They had an issue with some projects or whatever. And we had um, a bunch of sales reps in that thing. And there was a problem or something like that. I can't remember what the details were. And he answered it one level. And he goes like, for, oh, here it was. He, there was, okay, so on projects, sometimes you have adders. An adder is something extra involved in the project that is not solar. Okay, so what was added was a main panel upgrade. And this main panel upgrade increases the price of the system $2,500. But in this case, we had the installation company cover that $2,500 because they didn't tell us in a timely manner. So we thought it was unfair. So if they weren't covering it, that would drop the sales rep's com uh, commission three or 4%. So when the rep was like, hey, so what happens with this MPU? Reagan said, oh, um, you know, this is going to happen. They're going to handle it. So obviously the first question that they were going to have after was, but is this going to affect my commission? All he had to do is, hey, we talked to the installer. They said that they're going to cover it. Because they're going to cover it, the price per watt will stay exactly the same, meaning this will not affect your, your commission, but you will still need to do redo the contract with the homeowner, but everything else pay-wise would be exactly the same. And what would have the rep said? Oh, okay. So you got to answer the question three, four, five levels in advance. And the same thing when you're solving a problem. If you only solve for the first reactionary problem, there's a ripple effect of outcomes that come after that. And the best leaders or the best um, chess masters think so many levels in advance that when everyone is reacting to each thing that happens to them, you're already three, four, five levels in advance. And if you want to be a really good disruptor, you want to be fantastic at social media, you want to be the best of your field, you want to be an amazing entrepreneur, you have to think multiple levels in advance. Meaning when I do this, what is everyone else going to do? And when they have these potential outcomes, what ripple effects are going to come after that? And that's the best thing I'm saying is like, if you guys want to do something that no one else is doing, you have to think like no one else is thinking. Sure. Yeah. You know, we were dealing with a similar sort of thing. Like in my, in my company, my brand, we offer uh, no questions asked like exchanges, right? Cause we just want the customer to be happy. Right. And you can't resell something that someone's worn, at least not at our current level. Maybe down the line, we wash it and we repackage it, whatever. But right now, we just lose the cost of goods on that item. And so our initial problem is like, okay, we're losing money. How do we make a little bit of money back? Oh, let's um, <laughs> let's uh, let's charge like an up fee, like a couple dollars on each order, and that'll make up for it. That's only a temporary solution. The real solution behind the scenes that took a while for us to figure out, even though it's so simple in reality, is just like, make sure we do a better job at sizing on guides, right? Mm -hmm. Convince people how to actually buy the right thing. Instead of trying to fix it after the fact, just prevent the problem from happening in the first place. But my initial thought was the first like, okay, let's just charge a couple extra dollars. Right. And that'll cover the cost. Exactly. It doesn't actually fix the thing. So that's cool. I think, I think that's... Um, I think that I think that brings up a good point that a lot of people don't understand. Sometimes you have to really you have to really go back and see where the problem's coming from and stop it at the source, right? Yeah, there's layers. Yeah.
Well, let's 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 shift a little bit. Your social life now. Now you have success, even though you're really busy and you have a thousand more things to do than when you first started. Mm-hmm. Do you do you go out at all? Do you do you even care? Like, do you just stay in and work all the time? I know I I don't even really go out too much anymore. Yeah. What's that look like for you? So I'm not a big partier. Um, I. I'm a big foodie, so I love really, really good restaurants. That's like my favorite thing to do. I love eating really good restaurants with friends. Um, For example, like go out, instead of like going to a club or a bar, they don't have too much of that here in Austin, but in like Los Angeles and Miami and New York, this is really big. You'll go eat dinner at like 9, 9.30 at night. You'll drink, you'll have a late dinner, it turns into a bar. So you're having drinks and friends, but it's nothing crazy. So I love that. Um, I love seeing good friends. I have a close pretty close group that's all over the country that I'm good friends with. Um, I just, I try to align with as much people who, they don't have to be like me, but they have to be motivated, successful, going in the right way. Ambitious in sense, some sense. Yeah, and like positive, right? And you know, it's like everyone that's, for example, like let's say tomorrow you're following doubles, which I wouldn't be surprised that happens. You said you're going viral right now. Maybe it's because of this podcast. Maybe because of this Maybe podcast, they're like, right? damn, this guy's legit now. He's interviewing Grammit. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so like let's say it goes crazy. Like that's amazing. I will be just as excited as you are. I would be hyped for you. Yeah. And so I love being around people who root for you, root for the, their friends, root for their families. And it's just contagious energy. So yeah, for sure. Like I try to always have fun. I'm a big traveler. Mm-hmm. So while I do travel for work, I always go do fun stuff, go see sports, go see friends, go hang out. Um, just always try to have a good time and enjoy myself. Work always goes first, Yeah, but I don't believe in a balance being 50-50, right? There's some times where I'm like 99 work, one personal life, and then there's some I'm half and half. There's some days it's lighter than others. I just go with the flow. To me, like my work and my personal, they coexist. It's just my life. Yeah, It's not two alter egos or anything like that. That's a good point. And I, because I think so many people want to be an entrepreneur because they want to be rich or they want to be an entrepreneur because they think, oh, I get to have my own schedule. Like, and one nah. of, what I, you are always working. You'll always work less if you're an employee. Yeah. And I was visiting my friends in San Diego the other day and it's Sunday and they're watching football. And one of my boys is like, bro, can you put the computer down for a second, bro? Like it's Sunday. We're watching the game. I was like, no, dude, this is how I make. He's like, you know how you were talking about how it must be so cool to make money from TikTok. Yeah. Like that's why, because I'm working on the fucking weekends, but it's fun though. You right. enjoy it. You it's know? a game. It is a game. It's literally a video game. That Okay, that's a great question. I make a lot of videos about how you need to put down the controller once you turn 18. And I was the biggest fucking nerd when I was a little kid, man. Like, I, what was my game? I think I played Minecraft. It was like eight, nine hours a day. I was a loser. And I had so much fun doing that. Yeah. If anything, like I actually had just as much fun nerding out yelling at a couple other kids across the country over yeah. team speaker, whatever it was. Yeah. Then I did at a 1500 person frat party with like Dombreski playing in yeah. our backyard. Yeah. It's just as much fun, but it doesn't actually do anything for you. And so I make a lot of content about like, when you turn 18, just put the controller down unless you're really grinding already, unless you have something really good going on. And a lot of people got really upset. Same thing with weed. I also said like cut out smoking weed at least until you have a good system in place. I agree. You're, you're making money. And yeah, so I'm, you say you agree. Yeah, I think a lot of people get really offended by that. I'm curious why you think that. Well, is. they're just triggered because that's how they operate. It's yeah, like, what? it's like what? attacking their character or what? 
Yeah, I mean, the two fastest sayings for a guy, like a, a, a normal masculine guy to cut out, to instantaneously change your life in two weeks, cut out porn, cut out video games, because they reward you for doing absolutely fucking nothing. Hmm. So like if you're playing a game and you win and you can scream at people, curse them out from across the room, they're not going to punch you in the face. <laughs> you have, you do not get held accountable and then you get immediate dopamine hits every time something good happens in that game. You're constantly being stimulated for doing absolutely no effort. You didn't have to fight and kill a person in, 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 in like real life. Yeah. You didn't have to drive <laughs> yeah. a real Formula One car like you're playing in a video games. And so you're getting rewarded for not doing it. Porn, you're getting stimulated like crazy. It's like the same, I've heard studies that it's, it has a bigger effect on your brain than cocaine. The dopamine that hits your brain, it shocks your nervous system. So now you're getting rewarded sexually for not having to work out, make a multi-million dollar company, be successful. So you can actually get that hot girl. So you can actually get that hot girl. Yeah. So you're getting constantly rewarded for doing nothing. So then when you pull those things away, all of a sudden guys, I think people are so confused. Like why are, is everyone depressed? Well, because their dopamine is so depleted because they're getting consistently rewarded for doing things that require zero effort. And so what happens is, is uh, like I stopped watching porn so long, four or five years ago, right when I came back and I learned about all this stuff. I was never a big video game guy. And after about 30 days, you could just feel your testosterone through the roof. You could just feel it. And you, are you saying you cut out like, like <laughs> oh, everything, like, you, like not just porn, but like yes. a, a masturbation and yes. no, no fat, oh, okay. uh, everything. That's an interesting. Yeah. The reason why about that. is because it, it spikes your, um, your testosterone levels like crazy. Yeah. If you, if you've heard of Nikola Tesla, the key, he never had a woman, which I, I couldn't do. I did not know that actually. I, which I would never he, do. He never had sex. Tesla. My knowledge. No. Wow. And and so some of the best people, they they like our instinct is to recreate and every stuff. But most men, they work way harder on getting women than they do on their success. And if they put that same energy of strategizing and figuring out how to get that girl, how to make all these girls like you into their business and their brand, every girl will want you. Dude, I've said that exact like word for word on multiple pieces of content. Like, and I get why. Yeah what are we designed for to recreate right, right? You, you as a man like you are created over tens of thousands of years of evolution to only want to think about one thing but like you said if you can figure out a way to divert that and i just honestly i don't think some people are capable of it then you can pretty much get everything you wanted it's it's amazing like if you i know that i i got cheated on once right mm -hmm. and I told myself a lot of guys like to sleep around after they got cheated on mm -hmm. because you're missing, you're, you're, you're craving attention, right? Your body just misses it like a drug. So you want to fill that void somehow. But I told myself, you know what? I'm not going to sleep with anyone and I'm not even going to put a date on it. I'm just not going to do it until the option is like, I can't say no. Like right. it's just the hottest girl ever, right? And it was about... It was only like three months. <laughs> it was only like three That's months. Okay, yeah. But three months of going out and I told myself, we're not bringing a girl home tonight, Lucas. I'm not going to snap anyone. I'm not going to say, what are you doing? Yep. I'm not going to say, what's your plan tonight? What pregame are you going to? I'm going to go out. And by doing that, I not only had a much better time with my friends. Right. 
but I also went home feeling like a winner yeah. because I think a lot of guys will go out and they the way they judge their night successful or a win or not is if they bring someone home. Right. Even even like most of my friends in college were like that. That's yeah. why you're texting someone at four in the morning, like right. when all the goblins are out, right? Yeah. So if you like, if you literally just like tell yourself, no, yeah. just chill for six months. And I know, you know, Patrick met David. Yeah. I think he, there was a video of him saying he cut out girls for an entire year. He didn't have sex with a millionaire, I think. Yeah. And so I, even though it sounds ridiculous and extreme, it, it is, it's just forcing yourself to focus, I think. It forces yourself to focus, but you're just test it. Just back test what I'm saying your testosterone shoots through the roof and we're energetic beings. If you've ever, if you've ever been to a funeral and you ever seen an open casket. Not, not that I can remember. It's probably, I haven't been to a funeral probably since I was like eight or nine. I hope you don't have to go to one, but if you, if you go to a funeral and you see an open casket, you know that that person is not there. Yeah. It's a weird, like it's weird to explain. Like you see them laying there. It is not them. It's almost like, a mask at a Halloween costume. It's kind of weird. I've it, never actually thought about that, but I could, I get what you're saying. It, yeah. it is, they are not there. It's bizarre. And yeah. I've seen them because I've, I've experienced this uh, this year specifically, and I've seen them right before they've gone and they are there. Even though they're not functioning, nothing's working, you can feel their energy heighten. We're spiritual beings. And so when you have, when you're in a peak place spiritually, your testosterone is through the roof. What you'll notice, and this is why that happened with you, is I started noting the, noticing this, and I would walk into bars and stuff, and I wouldn't give a shit. I was like, like, yeah, I can get like a girl if I want to, but I'm here to have fun with my friends. I'm not yeah. here. That's not the only thing I need. And they start gravitating to you. Not just women, but people start, they just notice you. They're like, hey, what do you do? What is this? And people will be drawn to you. And people can feel that energy, and it expands, and they can they can sense it. It's like a, I like to look at it as like, because I completely agree with you. I look at it as if there's a green bulb above your head and girls can just like some, like if you're needy and if you're going out, like I need to get ass tonight, I need to, I need yeah. to sleep with someone. It's red and you don't need to say anything. You don't even need to look at them. They just <laughs> won't want to be near you. It's like they can sense it. Right. Um, but I think that's great advice for young guys. I think there's so many guys out there that look at anyone online and they see someone who obviously has like money and a cool car and a cool watch and stuff like that. That's like the basic, yeah, they most bland <laughs> yeah. ver version of success. But I think a lot more young guys these days are starting to appreciate the people like you, right? Or the content creators like me that don't like, aren't that flashy or whatever, but we're just happy and we enjoy what we do and we're fulfilled and they are trying to figure out how to get there, but they don't necessarily know where to start. I think by eliminating a lot of those like innate distractions, that's the perfect way to start, right? So yeah, Cheers. get rid of porn, um, maybe even cut off girls if you have to for a little bit, just for a period of your life to focus, right? No more weed. Um, what just was don't reward yourself for, for bullshit. Video games, yeah. Like the best book, is, I think you've probably read it, is Atomic Habits. Yeah, a long time ago. Amazing book. And it's very sim simple and it, and it talks about re reward receptors and, you know, it, your brain is so interesting. It's built to survive. And let's say you have a bunch of tasks to do all day and you have like a list of 10. Each time you accomplish something on the list, you do a check mark. Or maybe like, let's say you had like some pins and you had 10 on this side. You just simply move a pin to this side hmm. and then to this side. And your brain gets a little bit of dopamine and you just taught yourself that, oh, 
by doing these tasks and accomplishing my goals, we get rewarded. This is good. Let's say you broke the sales record for that month of your company and you don't reward yourself and you're tired and you're stressed and you're this. You're teaching your body that I put all this uh, effort in to make this money. Why are we doing this? There's no reward. So you need to go reward yourself with this amazing steak dinner or this quick weekend trip or these shoes that you wanted. And your brain's like, oh, shit. Me making more fun. money is good. That's great. That's a great, that's that's something that I think a lot of a lot of wealthy people miss out on is they just, they're like, okay, more and more and more. And I've even found myself feeling like that in a way as well. Like I'll achieve some miles. I know when I first started my business, when I had my first thousand dollar day, I'm like a, yeah, I'm like a senior in college. That's we sell we sell a thousand dollars worth of shorts because that was our first product and I'm fucking stoked, right? Yeah. And then, um, you know, or probably six months ago, we had our first $10,000 day. That's amazing. And it felt great for 20 minutes. And then it was, and then it was like, okay, now I need $100,000. I need $10,000 days every day. Yeah. So I, I think in order to be, I think a lot of people who typically are ambitious and are mm-hmm. striving for right the stars um, who end up hitting the moon or going further, you have to think in a sense of like, I'm never satisfied, but it's really important to reward yourself. I'm that's kind of played into what I was asking earlier about like the, you know, do you go out and stuff? Also, how do you spend your money? Like, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not a huge flashy person. Like I don't post, you've, you've probably seen myself. I don't, I'm not posting like, Hey guys, I swear I'm rich. Look at all this. Good. I Dude, could. You could. I mean, bro, that's what I, I just want to interrupt real quick. I applaud you for that because you could totally say I'm Grant. I have 47 employees. And I make this much and I'm 28 and I was here three years ago and you could make probably $5 million this year selling a course, but you don't because it's, it's quick money. It's not long money. It's yeah. It's like, I want to, I want, I want people to like truly respect me for, for me. And I don't think it's like a problem to show things. Yeah. Um, and like, this is my life, but not to get attention. It's just not my style. Maybe I'll start incorporating a little bit more because I have no choice because it's my life, but not to get attention. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, being authentic and everything is just, it's just, it's key for sure. Is there anyone that stands out in your mind, like a a figure in your life, maybe personally, or maybe you haven't even met them? Um, Maybe like a Gary Vee, I know you brought him up earlier but someone that you just have the utmost respect for. And if anything, maybe you don't want to like, maybe they're not your hero or maybe you don't want to be exactly like them, but someone who is the person in your mind that you have the most respect for? You know, I can't pick one person because, you know, one thing that I did remember when I was mentioning that when I was in Brooklyn and I was, I would go to Barnes and Noble and just sit there and read for like a year straight and I would read for two, three hours a day. I kind of just try to say like, who are the best people that I could take all of their, the way they think, the way they operate their skill sets and apply them to myself as much as, as possible. Um, one person I really, really like, and, and I've been extremely interested in reading all of his stuff is Ray Dalio. Nice. Very, very interesting thinker. Um, he built the largest hedge fund in the world, Bridgewater Associates, and and he wrote the book principles which is fantastic and then, i have it i have i haven't started yet but it's on my shelf at least like even if you don't like go watch on youtube there's a animated version that's 40 minutes that basically breaks down the whole book it's fantastic 
And then also another book called Chang- uh, Changing of the World Orders, mm-hmm. which talks about all of the conflict that's happening right now between China, Russia, the EU, America, and everything like that. Um, and as, as I read that book about a year and a half ago, whenever it was, and watching all the things that are playing right now, playing out right now, foreign policy wise, it like makes so much sense. And it was yeah. based off what he was talking about. So I love Ray Dalio. Elon Musk is uh, insane. I won't. I'm not an Elon Musk. Yeah. No one is. But you can have like a sense of admiration for him for sure. Utmost respect. But I love listening to him talk because it makes me realize how small I think. Anytime, and that's one thing I always try to do is when you're asking me about like who do I study and everything like that, is I always try to. To me, my my favorite thing to feel is realizing how realizing I'm not as good as I thought I was. It's, it's just a very, it's a beautiful experience to me. That's dope. I love meeting someone that's kicking my ass so bad that I'm like, what the hell have I been doing for the past two years? And they're a normal person. You know, I, I, there's, there's someone in Houston that um, he owns the, the Rockets. He owns, probably you've ate at his restaurant a hundred times and you have no idea. And um, he's worth about $10 billion. And I heard him speaking. And anytime I have a problem, like we were talking about all the different problems of running a business and we're scaling, this happened, that happened. I try to go listen to someone that's doing a hundred times or 10 times or whatever more than me. And then the problems is bigger. And he was giving this speech and he goes, he goes, man, my payroll, he was talking about when COVID happened and the collapse and everything shut down and he has hospitality. So everything was shut down overnight. Is this the Panda Express guy? No, no, no. That guy's oh. a be so. Yeah. Um, he owns Landers, Tillman, okay. Tillman Fertitta. Okay. And he said, my payroll is $100 million. Every two weeks, his payroll. Every two weeks? Every two weeks, his wow. payroll. Yeah. Like all of his employees. Yeah. I got 47 employees. I'm a yeah. fucking loser. Yeah, no, it's a good I, way to like, look at it. I suck to the highest level. This yeah. guy has a hundred million dollar bill every two weeks that he has to pay. And that's one of the bills. That's one of the, that's not the AC, the utilities, the ops, the this, the, the tech. No, just that's a hundred million. And I'm like, shit. And he starts talking about all these things and then it just expands my thinking. I go, man, what the hell am I doing? How do I do this better? How do I adjust this problem? Um, so he's quite interesting. Elon Musk is awesome. Uh, psychologically and, um, kind of the way of thinking when it comes to people, Tony Robbins is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Although, but I, I, I haven't been studying him lately. I studied him heavily in college. He's a great, like first introduction to self-help person. In I my agree. Opinion. There's different characters that don't make sense to start watching, paying attention to until you get a better understanding, just like there's better books for an introduction. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd say he's like a very good self-help. Uh, I don't know where to start type person, get my life on in order um, sure. type guy. And then as you get deeper and deeper, Ray Dalio is probably like maybe step two or three. Sure. Um, but yeah, those are all great people. I think that's great. And I, I really like how you touched on that. I think one of the biggest problems these days is people are just, they love being in the small fishbowl. Mm-hmm. They, they're unwilling to um, put themselves around people who will make them feel small. Right. And I think actually another way to start, you could say, like this journey towards success or whatever, I think, is just be around different people. So many people have the same friends, the same friend group their entire life. 
how are you going to the, – the odds that you and your group of friends from high school are going to all make it together, it's not going to happen. Right. Like it's never happened, right? It just – there's a small subset of people that are high performers that are that ambitious that get that lucky, the luck you need to succeed, and it's not going to be everyone. You need to be willing to surround yourself with better players. And the example I always give is like if you're a high school football player and you really want to play in college or baseball, soccer, whatever – you're not going to be practicing with your high school teammates over the summer. You're not going to be listening to only your coach. You're going to be going to camps, maybe in different cities, even different states, right? You're going to be, if you have the resources or you're, if you have the resources, you're going to be hiring like a, a professional coach to teach you some things that you wouldn't learn from the high school math teacher who coaches on the side, right? So you need to surround yourself with people that are going to challenge you if you want to get there yourself. And I think a lot of people just... I don't know, maybe they know that and they're not comfortable with it or they're, they don't want to feel challenged. Who knows? Yeah. They're just, they're just kind of worried. And the one thing I've noticed is even if you take those people, I've had friends that, um, for, I have one of my best friends that, um, he, he got his master's degree. Now he works at Amazon. He's absolutely crushing it. And, um, I was going to go to this year when I went to Europe for my birthday and, he was like, yeah, I'm down to go. And he was like one of my best friends since high school. He's super cool, super successful. But he's also the last couple of years been in college. He's still kind of stayed at home and he's just now moving into Houston, but he's killing it, right? But he's just getting into stuff. And after him going to Europe and seeing all this stuff in the world, I mean, it just took one time and he's just like, what the fuck? This is out here. Yeah. He, he met a girl in Spain and was like, dude, I'm never leaving. I'm moving here. I'm trying to move to Spain. And so when you see that next level of what's possible in life, business-wise, financially, people, I don't care who you are, it makes you think a little bit different. And you, the people that say, oh, it doesn't matter about money, I don't care about this, they haven't experienced it. Yeah. You get in a Rolls Royce once, you're going to go, well, this is kind of nice. You fly first class once, you're going to go, wait, how would I do this every time? Or on a private jet. You know, on a private you ever jet? been on a private jet? No. It's crazy. I, I went on my, uh, my, one of my best friends, his dad is the CEO of 3M, you know, oh, 3M, shit. right? Massive. Yeah. And ba he used to be the CEO of, uh, what was it? Zimmer Biomet. Wow. Huge medical device company. Yeah. And we got to go on his private jet and I couldn't even enjoy it. I was sitting there, the whole, all my friends were like taking pictures, like drinking the champagne, eating Chick-fil-A because that's the food we brought on it. Yeah. And I'm sitting there the whole time, like, if this is the last time that I ever get to be on one of these... I am a failure. Am a failure. That's yeah. exactly what I thought. I was like, I fucking need this. Maybe I don't need to own one. Maybe I'll just rent it, but I need this. But just right? when you experience it, it changed your whole yeah. thought. Yeah. I just can't imagine like experiencing something once and saying like, that's enough. That's okay. It's like, that's, I've, I have a friend that um, her grandpa sold a company. So she was like, lived in a normal suburban house, $300,000. And then suddenly I get word like seventh, eighth grade that this girl is building an entire street compound and i'm like wait what like her and i like her parents did fine i think they had like solid jobs but nothing crazy and they were, yeah her grandpa just sold a oil and gas company for like 10 billion dollars wow. and so she she's gonna get a lot of money when she's 30 i won't say how much but anyways they have i believe two jets i don't know if it's a falcon or a gulf stream mm -hmm. and the yearly gas that they spend to operate that plane so they bought the plane 45, $50 million cash, but just to operate it every single year costs $3 million. I bet. So just the gas is $3 million. 
and you think about like all these employees and what my payroll is this, yeah. and you start realizing, damn, I suck. Those are, yeah, no, really. And it's beautiful to hear. It is beautiful to hear. It's really, um, I feel like it's exciting. Yeah. Because you're never going to get there if you, if you can't understand. Um, that it's a thing. That it's a thing. Yeah. So I think it's great. Well, I think that's a great way to like kind of start to close it off. I guess the last question, the last question I want to ask here is for anyone out there watching who sees you and they, and they just, they're like, I want to do what that guy's doing. Right. What do you think? I guess we already covered the first step, huh? First step would be get your health in order, right? Health in order, get rid of the distractions. Well, I guess let's talk about what's next for Graham Mitt. What's, okay. what's your one-year plan? What are the short-term goals right now in your business, personal life, whatever? Are you trying to get better at dancing, whatever? <laughs> and then what's like, where do you want to be 10 Become years Become a from TikTok now, dancing star. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to say everything, but I'll say, I'll say some. Uh, I like kind of just showing people and sure. keeping it, keeping it low-key. Um, the, the biggest challenge that I'm facing right now that I'm trying to conquer is we built an eight figure company scaling from that to a hundred million dollar business is it's like changing religions. Like it, it, whatever worked to get there, it, it is not going to work to get to that nine figure level. Yeah. It takes different people, takes more capital, takes more resources. It takes different ways of doing things, different systems. Yeah. Everything. And so this whole year has been just like a constant learning curve of trying to figure that out. And so the next two years, my goal is to get to that level, to get the, the solar company to that level. Um, that's my main focus. Um, brand wise, um, I, I, I just feel weird saying how many followers and stuff like that. I, I would say is like, let's just say a bigger audience than I do yeah. now, impacting and helping more people than I do now. Uh, Doing the podcast and stuff has been really cool. And I'm starting to, I, I think I mentioned to you, I'm about to start having guests on. And I waited a long time. I waited two years to have guests on. And because I didn't want to have it until it was just, you know, we were talking about this. You have just people on as you grow. Do you wait to then? There's no right way. Both ways worked. I mean, Joe Rogan wouldn't have anybody on it when he was starting yeah. out. Um, but I want to see the podcast become a top five business podcast in the United States. Um, consistent. Fuck yeah. Because um, I know if we do that, we're going to really, really help a lot of people. Like we need entrepreneurs and young people like you that's just like, hey guys, like this is me figuring it out. What's cool is like you already are figuring it out, but eventually you're going to really, really, really figure it out to where Thanks, it's, man. to where it's, where people are like, holy shit. It's going to get to that level. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, that's great. First of all, I think that's awesome. I think those are, um, Great goals, but you'll you'll be there sooner than you think for sure. And I think that's I think that's perfect. I also find it a little interesting how you're I kind of operate on a different mindset of like you're kind of like you just said, let me show you what I can do. I'm the exact opposite. And I I tell everyone what I'm gonna do before it happens to hold myself accountable. So I tell the close people around me. Okay, that's good. So all like my I won't say it on a podcast where everyone can hear it. Um, unless it's something that they heavily needed to be included in, mm -hmm. but my brother, my closest friends, my mom, my dad, um, my closest confidants, like people that are like for Grant, like yeah. if I did something crazy, they would still defend me. Like they're there for me. 
they know pretty much everything down to the cool. and the I talk plan and everything. I talk about it every day of my life. Like everyone knows it's right in it. Like nonstop what we're doing. Okay, we gotta do this, we gotta do this. Like everything that's happening now was planned. That's great that you're at a level with them relationship wise where you can explain that to them. And I'm sure um, not only they can give you constructive criticism or any sort of, even if it's just like a little bit of reassurance, but yeah. I'm sure that also gets them really excited. I could only imagine like, you know, I'm I'm the only entrepreneur in my family, pretty much. I could only imagine how cool it would be to like, listen to my little brother or my son one day saying like, yeah, dad, like, you know, we're we're going to try and hit a hundred million this year yeah, or whatever. Right. So I think that's awesome. And hear the problems and everything. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's cool. And it makes them think big. And eventually once they see you start hitting targets, they know you can do it. And what's cool is they start going, wait, what could I do? That's a great, that's a great way to finish it off because I'm sure same way with you. Like when you are ambitious yourself, you want everyone around you to succeed too. You don't want to be rich at the top of the mountain by yourself. That's that fucking sucks, right? And I think a lot of people say like entrepreneurship is is lonely or it's lonely at the top. I think maybe in some ways, but it's a lot better. It's not only easier to climb the mountain with a group of people, but it's a lot more fun and it's so much more fulfilling and enjoyable to be up there with a group looking at the view as, sure. as, instead of by yourself. Yeah, agreed. And so I, that brings up the question of like, well how, well, how do you get people around you to want to go for that too? How do you convince people to go on that journey with you to make that climb? And I used to be the guy that was like trying to slap my friends into shape, like trying to guilt my parents into, you guys say you hate your job. Why do you still work there? Hmm. Or you say you're not happy with your weight. Like, why don't you go to the gym? And I was very hardcore actually. Yeah. And I think it like really like affected a lot of my relationships because I'm a, I'm a pretty like intense person when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. And one day I realized like, you know what? You can't like, you can't force anyone to do anything. Maybe the best thing to do to encourage and inspire everyone around me is just work on myself as much as possible. And hopefully I'll be like, if he can do it, I can do it. Just be the light. Fuck yeah. Yeah. If you, if you win, you're successful and they know you and they've seen your, your ups and downs and everything, they're going to start thinking a little bit different. They've seen you as the loser at the bottom. They're like, if he can do it, I can do they're it. They're like, yeah. oh my God, yeah. this is crazy. And then they believe in themselves. So cool. Oh, yeah. Well, bro, thanks so much for coming on. This Cheers. has been great. Uh, Grant Mitt, Mitt Group, thank you guys so much for watching. I'll put all of his socials in the description below. Cool. Leave a like, comment, follow all his stuff, um, and we'll catch you in the next one. Cool. Thank you, brother. Thanks yeah. for having me.